and we are live from the Empire of Lies, an oasis of truth and free speech in the vast barren wasteland that is the Biden administration. I am Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. It is a Monday, Carmine Monday. Carmine Sabi is joining us as guest co-host. Hi, Carmine, how are you doing? Well, there's, there's so much news this weekend. It seemed especially busy. Of course, there's a tragedy in Buffalo, but all the other stuff that's been going on is still going on. Of course, the war and the abortion brouhaha and all the other craziness that's going on. We have a great show today. Producer Rod from Philly's put together a great show. First, the esteemed Scott Ritter bringing a straight dope about the situation in Ukraine and Russia. And there's a lot of news coming out of Ukraine. It seems like Mariupol is completely fallen, but we'll talk to Scott about that. And in the second hour, continuing on with Jim Hoff from Gateway Pundit. And Jim is a great guy, and we'll be talking about a lot of stuff that's affecting the right. But Carmine, What's the name of the show? This is The Backstory. Well done, sir. So I'm going to go off on the Democrats a little bit more, but I'm going to wait one second. The breaking news is that Joe Biden is going to send troops into Somalia. Yeah. You saw that, right, Cameron? I did. Now, we'll talk to Scott about that and see what he thinks. I think it's... By the way, Al-Shabaab is a Salafi Wahhabist terror group, but sending troops in to fight a terrorist group, this is not like fighting an army. I've seen this story somewhere before. Where did this happen? I think. Oh, yeah. We spent how many years in Afghanistan? Right. Right. And – but they – when I saw this break on Twitter, it's because the term reversing Trump was trending. Correct. And Correct. I noticed every story, all these stories said Biden putting troops in Somalia, reversing Trump. And I suggest that the reason they put reversing Trump in there is a lot of Democrats are like salivating dogs. And if you say, this is the opposite of what Trump wants. They'll say, well, good. I want it. Right. Then it's Do you good. agree, Carmine? Absolutely, bro. Absolutely, bro. And they don't think about whether it's a good idea or not. All they think is it's not Trump's idea. Which makes it a good idea to them. Right. And uh, let me, uh, let's talk about abortion for a second. I was saying this. A lot of Democrats, I'm going to tell Democrats why they're stupid. Let me point out why you're stupid. I'm going to stake out a position, Carmine. Now, I don't hold this position. I'm doing it as a thought experiment. But imagine, imagine there's a Democrat who said on abortion the following. I'm a pro-choice Democrat, and I'm in favor of abortion. But obviously, we don't want abortion up to the moment of conception, up to the moment of, of birth. We don't want third trimester abortions. 
That's awful. So I would propose that we codify into law first trimester abortions. And I think that's a reasonable position that ev almost every American would agree on. What if a Democrat said something like that, Carmine? I, just for the record, I wouldn't agree on it. But. Right. No, you wouldn't. No, and I wouldn't either. But I'm saying if they came out and said that, would you worry that they'd win? No. On the issue? I wouldn't support and I wouldn't support that position, but I could live with that position. Right. And and do you think a lot of Democrats could live with it as well? Yes. But not the, not the people that run the party. They can't. Right. Because. The reason the Democrats keep screwing Abortion up is stuff, They say that it's our, our, our argument is a religious argument, and they're correct. But their abortion love is like a religion to them. Yes. But my, you, you see my point. No Democrat comes out and says, I'll, I'll put it like this. And they could come out and further say, and I'm opposed to this leak. I'm opposed to protests at Supreme Court Justice's House. I, as a pro-choice Democrat, don't think that's the way to do this. The way to do it is legislatively. And that's why my proposal, which will codify first trimester abortions, if a Democrat came out and said that, they would have a lot of support. And they would have, it would be hard for Republicans to go, well, look at that maniac, right? Well, you can't, you can't. You would, you would oppose it. You'd say, well, I take a different position, but that's I about it, it. Because I'm a Christian, I oppose right. it because I'm a Christian. But I couldn't make a, as good of an argument. And so, on every issue, and I picked abortion because it's in the news. But look at a look at look at every issue. The Democrats never stake out the reasonable position. The two things that a reasonable person should agree on is that. Protesting Supreme Court Justice's house is a no-no because it's against federal law, but they can't go there. And anything past first trimester is going to be controversial, necessarily. And Roe versus Wade makes it very clear it only protects first trimester, by the way. That's I didn't Roe know that. Wade. Yeah. They, they discuss viability in that issue. And the only thing it's saying is a federal right is first trimester. And, but on any issue, name it, they cannot take the reasonable position. And they have reasonable positions they could take. And so what you get, and that, that what they always do is they go, well, Republicans wouldn't be reasonable. So don't do what they're doing. If your argument is Republicans take nonsense, see, it's not enough to say they support the right of gay people even to get married, even if they go beyond civil unions. A lot of people had bought, had accepted, okay, fine. They have to go to transgender athletics and every extreme position. Well, this is what I say all the time is that they're never satisfied. 
They never say, okay, well, you know, we got that. So we're good. It's always on to the next thing. And I would say that is the progressive's fault. That is the progressive's fault. Because progressives always take the extreme part of the position. And then progressives go, well, we don't get what we want from Democrats. That's because people don't accept your dumb ideas. Progressives were the one out there saying defund the police. Defund the police is a stupid idea. It's obviously a stupid idea. Anyone with a brain in their head can figure why that's not going to work. Well, a lot of people that probably shouted, a lot of people that probably shouted for defund the police were probably really happy to see them in, in Buffalo. Now, say, say what you mean there, because I don't understand. Well, I mean, it, it, let's say there's people in Buffalo, okay? It was a, um, it was a majority, um, it was a majority black town, right? Majority of people shot were black. <clears throat> and we know we've had black people that have um, called for defunding the police, correct? I mean, white people too, but it's been a, a Black Lives Matter. It's been a main thing of theirs, defund the police or, uh, you know, rein in the police, this and that. So a lot of people that maybe supported those things were probably really happy to see the police show up on Saturday. Right. They wouldn't have wanted those police defunded. Yeah, good point. Correct. And it's a, nut, it's a nutty idea, but that's pushed by the extreme left. It is pushed by the extreme left. The abolitionists are the left of the left. And then when they don't get their way, see, what happens is moderate Democrats are people who pay lip service to progressives, right? Moderate Democrats will will say, yeah, you're right on defund the police. They don't say, no, it's a dumb idea. They say, yeah, you're right. But it's difficult to do that now. Something like that. Now, we'll talk more about, we got Jim Hoffman in the second hour. We'll talk more about Buffalo. But let's hop onto some of the issue. I saw they were going after Tucker Carlson for no reason. There's no reason to go after Tucker Carlson. This is not one of those cases. This 18-year-old was a maniac, and he has a manifesto out. So we don't have to guess what his ideology is. We don't have to read into social media. You see what I'm saying, Carmine? We know. He said it. He's a leftist. Now, I saw somebody arguing with me earlier, and they said, well, he's not an extreme leftist. He's a moderate leftist. And then I feel the need to point out, he killed 10 people. He's somebody who admits being a leftist. And he, he says he's a moderate leftist, but I'd say that is belied by the fact that he murdered people. Do you think anyone can claim to be a moderate who's taken a gun and shot people with Carmine? The, the moderate thing made me laugh. He's a moderate. That's a hell of a moderate. Right. But they don't want to admit that he's a leftist. They're not saying it. No, saying, they won't say it anywhere. It's all Tucker Carlson's fault. Right. And the manifesto doesn't mention Tucker Carlson anywhere in it. And Not even one time. And by the way, they're talking about the replacement theory. The replacement they theory. To, they don't want you to mention that now, but guess what? The theory that Tucker Carlson's talking about is true. 
It's not yes. white replacement theory. What they're doing with – and the Democrats are like, hey, here's a good way we can hide it now. Nobody can say it anymore. Right, because white replacement theory is not about black people. It's not. It's Right? It's not. No. What it's about is illegal immigrants. It's voter replacement. You really want to say it right? It's voter replacement theory. Yes, and voter replacement. But the voter replacement theory, they're actually both about the same issue. The, the worker and the voter replacement, who is being replaced? Who is the group who's most affected by that? Black people. The Democrats are replacing black voters were the base of the Democrats. And but they know they're replaced. Right. And they know that there's a lot of illegal immigrants coming in from southern parts. Here's the problem they're going to have, though, okay? Here's where I think they're, they're, they're missing the boat, okay? And if we could come up with some kind of plan as Republicans to, to, to fix the border crisis and to not demonize illegal immigrants but to work towards a solution, okay, we can really handicap the Democrats here because that's about the only issue that someone coming to this country is from, from a Latin American country is going to have in common with the Democrats. Other than that, they disagree on damn near everything. By the way, I don't know if I agree that once they get here, so you think Hispanics in largely Catholic countries are like, yes, transgender rights. Right. There's nothing about it they're in favor of. But also, they're in favor, once they get here, they don't want the border being open. and They don't want anybody coming in behind them. Right. That's very true. And I know people who were, you know, first, second generation Mexican-Americans in California when I lived there. And their parents may have come in illegally or they may have come in legally. By the way, people who came in legally definitely don't want people who come in legally because it's a lazy way. They know it also they annoys had them. to wait. Right, right. But Democrats can't take a reasonable position on that. And that's because they're being driven by these extreme leftist progressives. Like my ex-girlfriend's mom, for, as an example, may she rest in peace, she just passed away. Uh, great lady, but she came here legally. She despised illegal immigration. Why would she be in favor of illegal immigration? That's why I laugh when they say it's a Hispanic issue. I'm like, what Hispanic? Where? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How is this a Hispanic issue? And 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 it's a black issue where a lot of black people I, – I know this – and by the way, it's not just you know, no-skilled jobs Hell like no. working in a fast food restaurant or something. In Philadelphia, I talked to a black union representative. Blacks worked very hard to get in the trades in places like Philly. Okay. And do you know what kept them out of the trades? Working plumbing or electrical? Do you know what kept them out? I don't. Unions. Oh, really? Unions were, yes, unions kept them out. And it was racist. They kept black Americans out of those unions for years. And this guy told me, he said, we fought very hard to get this position. He was with a black electrician's union. 
And then he saw all their jobs going to illegal immigrants who are not union. It seems to me one of the basic fundamental principles of union and just in general is that workers can be replaced easily. Right? And that's what what are what are scabs if not replacement workers? That's what a scab that's exactly is, right? Are. That's exactly what they are, sure. So they understand the concept there. But this guy's, again, shooting black people made, makes no sense if you're talking about replacement theory as the main theory, because they're the main victims of the replacement theory. And it, what was he doing? Putting him out of misery? This guy was a nut, but he's a nut who stayed who, who he's on the side of. He's a leftist, right? Yeah. Any doubt about that, Carmine? I mean, the only doubt could be if you don't believe his words. Right. But I do. And furthermore, he acted like it. And I've been talking about Margaret Sanger a lot lately. But the Democrats, you know who who the KKK, how the KKK started? They were a branch of the Democrat Party. Yes. You know, yeah. Right. But you know who doesn't know that is Democrats. Unfortunate. So this is do they, do they know that Lincoln was a Republican? I don't know. Traditionally, the Republican Party started essentially in opposition to slavery. And by the way, then people get into, well, Lincoln wasn't really anti-slavery. Well, he did a bad job of it. But also, there was clearly a white anti-slavery movement. John Brown. There was a major white abolitionist movement in this country. Oh, yeah. And very few white people owned slaves. I think it was like 1%. This is not a common thing. No, the, you know, everybody acts like... Because it's true, people act like every white person owns slaves, or it was rampant. It was not. It was not rampant. Right. And it was controversial. It was and again, it's not defending anything, but no. get the history right. Not you, Carmen. You're doing it right. Thank you. <laughs> but you're 100% correct. It's actually uh, owning slaves is very uncommon. That doesn't take away from how horrible how it was. It doesn't take away. Right. It's not like, well, you know, not many people owned it, so slavery wasn't horrible. Slavery was horrible. Is anybody is anybody arguing a pro-slavery argument? And we did fight a war for it. Many Americans fought and died. Many white Americans fought and died to end the institution of slavery. Yep, yep. And that's just the truth. So now we'll talk with Jim more about this, but we're talking, you and I, Carmine, we're talking before. They're clearly, this narrative about Buffalo is about not wanting to have a discussion of immigration because oh, it's going to yes. be a, dis a disaster issue. And they're obviously trying to get Tucker Carlson fired again. Oh, dude. And they're sitting here going, we got him this time. We got him this time. And you know what? They might. They might have them this time because 
I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be, people are going to be very scared, very scared to advertise with Tucker Carlson. Very well, scared. But I, I like to play it out. So what happens if Fox News fired Tucker Carlson? First off, he would not be Fox on News. the unemployment line tomorrow, right? Say what? He would not be begging on the street. No, he's rich. Tucker Carlson is rich. And he would say rich. And Correct. if Tucker Carlson got fired from Fox, any number of people, the best thing he could do is go indie. Well, I actually have – you're right. Just like Joe Rogan. You don't have to do that. Any, you don't have to be a part of them anymore. That being said, that being said, let's play this out, okay? Let's play this out for just a second here. So let's say they do fire Tucker, right? And get rid of him. Oh, the left is happy, right? Well, Bill O'Reilly was in that spot before Tucker. He whooped CNN and MSNBC. Then Tucker came in and he, they got rid of Bill. They worked it. They got. They worked hard. They got rid of Bill. So now let's say they, they also work hard. They get rid of Tucker. The next guy and Tucker's been whooping them. The next guy they put in there or girl they put in there is going to whoop them. It doesn't matter what name. Put any name. Put any name. Stick Ben Shapiro in there. He'll whoop them. It doesn't. They're not. They, they keep thinking it's the host. It's not the host. Well, I think some of it's the host. Some uh, of it's the host, yes. But I some say, of it's the host. If, if Tucker Carlson were out of Fox tomorrow, the best thing he could do is go completely independent. And might I suggest a name? What do you think of this one, Carmine? Tucker Carlson Unleash. That would if he work had a show, right. If he had a show called... Tucker, you can have the one. It's free. But <laughs> if he had a show called Tucker Carlson Unleash, and he wasn't sponsored by Spotify or whatever, he was independent, and he did an hour podcast every Monday through Friday, that podcast, he'd get bigger numbers than Rogan, I think. Yes. Oh, yeah, speaking of which... Because, Carmine, you're known to like the ladies. Uh, I've, been, I've been told that. I've so heard that did rumor. you see Did you see Jenk Youngers from the Young Turks? Who? He's trying to... Oh, Jenk? Yeah. Did you what see you his, his offer to put out for any transsexuals who slept with Joe Rogan to get in touch with him? Are you serious? Yes. It was an unhinged rant, and I'm not so making it up, Carmine. So, so, let me. What his theory is, is that the reason, and I don't even think, do you think Rogan's a guy who cares all that much about trans issues? No. Does this seem like somebody who's freaked out by the existence of transsexuals? No, he's probably a lot it's, more liberal about it than I am. Right. And, and that's true about a lot of things with Joe Rogan. Correct. But he, Jen came out and said, look, Joe, here's what happened. Obviously, you slept with a transsexual and you were surprised by it. 
And so now you're going off on transsexuals for that reason, which is a maniac theory. That's idiotic. That's a maniac theory. Right. And then uh, he said, well, any transsexuals out there get in touch with me. He says, for purposes of exposing, he says, but I don't know, you know, what he's actually up to. He says he's going to expose Joe Rogan, so to speak. But then over the weekend, now this happened last week. Then over the weekend, I saw Jenna Jameson, the adult film star. She tweeted out. She's a friend of mine. She tweeted out. Well, well, I was going to say, and and mine, Jenna, I have texted Jenna from the White House briefing room. I was oh, cool. I was doing the White House press briefing, and I texted with Jenna Jameson, mainly so I could say that I texted Jenna Jameson from the White House, right? <laughs> and so okay. as soon as I tweeted out, she tweeted a laugh at me. And then she tweeted me hearts because I said it was nice to see her online. And you, you've you talked to Jenna before. She's very nice. Yes. And, but I thought it was funny that she said that about, then I saw someone attack Jenna Jameson. Well, you didn't say, no, wait, what did she say about Joe Rogan? She said she'd slept with him and he's good. So she said she doesn't know about transsexuals. But That's hilarious. It wouldn't shock. It wouldn't shock me if Joe Rogan had been with Jen Jameson. No. Would it shock? Would it shock you? No. I don't think he has. I think she was just saying that. But she was trolling Jenk. Yeah. And his disgusting comment. But well, uh, Joe Rogan is smart enough where he's not going to go. No, I never slept with Jen Jameson. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. He's going to let the mystery be. But when we come back, we'll be talking about Ukraine and Russia with the great Scott Ritter on a Monday edition, Carmine Monday, of The Backstory. back on the backstory our guest host today co-host is carmine savia on a carmine monday and we're on 105.5 fm am 1390 in washington dc and the surrounding environs joining us now is the great scott ritter former u.n weapons inspector former u.s marine and all-around expert on things military hey scott how you doing i'm doing great thanks how are you Welcome, Scott. I'm doing okay. So let's talk about stuff that's in the headlines. First off, it seems that Mariupol, the final fall of Mariupol, is at hand. It seems that a bunch of, and this is being reported by both Ukrainians and the Russian side, it seems that a lot of the people have surrendered in Mariupol. And then there are reports Although they're unconfirmed, 
But there are specific reports. It's a specific name that Admiral Eric Olson has surrendered there. Now, what do you think of those reports and how do you judge their truth or falsity when you're looking at because the fog of war, you know, both sides may be exaggerating a little bit. How do you judge the truth of something like that? I think there are clearly people surrendering. And I think probably Eric Olson, because there's a specific name and there's a photo, and it's not a close photo, but when I see that level of specificity, I t tend to give it some credence. How do you gauge it, Scott? I mean, we know right now that um, in Mariupol, um, there is a ceasefire. That ceasefire was arranged so that um, hundreds of uh, badly wounded uh, Azov fighters, uh, probably a mix of uh, people from the Azov regiment and Marines, um, could get life-saving medical intervention uh, from the Russians. I mean, that, and that's an important thing because uh, gone are the demands that they be transferred to the Ukrainian side, et cetera. Uh, basically, uh, the situation is if these guys don't get medical care now, they die. Uh, Russia has agreed, and um, they're in the process of transferring these wounded to uh, Russian medical facilities in, uh, in Donetsk, in, in the Donetsk Oblast. Um, we also have credible rumors that um, that we seem to have lost Scott. Okay, we're going to get get into touch with him again. But I think the significance that they these people in Donetsk, forgive me, in Mariupol have surrendered. It's being described by the Russians as they've surrendered. And it's being described by the Ukrainians as they're letting them evacuate to Russia. Now, I think Ukrainian troops evacuating to Russia probably means that they surrendered. Carmine, isn't evacuating to a country that you're fighting surrendering? That's what it would sound like to me. Right. And this also points out that Ukraine thinks that they're going to be safe. They think the Russia's not going to shoot them. Okay, Scott, you're back with us? What were you saying? You're, you're getting to the part that they're claiming Eric Olson, an admiral, who, by, by the way, did you see he's 70 years old? Look, there, there, there's no chance in hell that Eric Olson's in uh, Mariupol. Zero. None. Uh, this this man is a national asset. Um, he the last thing in the world he would do is prostitute himself uh, in the cause of Ukraine uh, by going to uh, the 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 den of Nazi evil, which is Mariupol, and uh, be affiliated with these people. I have too much respect for the man, too much regard for his career, uh, and too much um, I'm too impressed with his uh, intellect and integrity to ever believe. That rear that, that Admiral Eric Olson, the man who took down Osama bin Laden, is um, is involved in uh, in in Ukraine. So I, I give that a zero percent chance. Um, you know, there none. Uh, there plus uh, I think the the, the 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 press reports that do discuss this 
speak of an army officer with a similar name. And again, I, I don't give too much credibility to this either. I, I have a hard time believing that anybody who was smart enough to um, attain a flag level rank in the U.S. military uh, could find themselves uh, sequestered in the uh, underground tunnels of the Azov steel plant uh, being bombarded by uh, Russia. Um, you don't get to be a flag rank officer um, and have that kind of stupidity. So I, I, I do I do believe there's some NATO um, trainers uh, who are contractors, not active duty, uh, people who uh, were there on contract who found themselves caught out by the fighting. Um, and um, I believe some of them may have already died, and I believe some will be taken prisoner. But um, the concept that uh, there's senior American or NATO um, flag rank officers uh, in Mariupol, I just think is beyond the pale. Um, it makes no sense. There's no reason for them to be there. And um, <laughs> so I, I think that this is just pure propaganda nonsense at this point in time. Yeah, or or like you say, Air Colson's a fairly common name. And so be it's possible this. Olson, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. There might be somebody named Eric Olson there, and people have heard the name and now are running off with it, saying, "Oh, that's the admiral." No, uh, if there's an Eric Olson there, I I would put um, my paycheck for a year uh, on the fact that he's not the admiral. <laughs> well, I was also surprised, Eric Olson, the admiral, is a pretty tough customer. He's a former Navy SEAL, and right. He's 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 a serious. He's not a, a guy, a desk guy. He's a fighter. But the fact that he's seventy years old, uh, it wouldn't make any sense to me to put a seventy-year-old down in the catacombs. I mean, look, uh, Eric Olson was a fighter. Was right. At a certain age, you stop being a fighter because simply put, your body no longer functions to the level necessary to be able to perform the tasks required of uh, operators in elite units. Um, you rarely find an operator over the age of 40. Um, and then, you know, once you get to 42, 43, they just simply can't, can't produce the, the desired results. They can't run. They can't jump. They, they don't have the stamina. Don't have the endurance. They're not just overall, you know, they might be able to run a marathon. I'm talking about the endurance of holding your arms steady uh, while carrying out her horrific tasks and being able to put a bullet on target every time you pull the trigger. Because in those units, you miss once, you're sent back for retraining. You miss twice, you're kicked out of the unit. And this requires a level of physical fitness and mental fitness uh, that old people like me no longer have. And I'm 10 years younger than uh, Eric Olson. So I can guarantee you that he ain't fighting anywhere. He hasn't fought anywhere in a long time. He's been a desk-born uh, officer, which is what you are at that age. I mean, you take your experience and you sit behind a desk and you lead. Uh, you sometimes go to the field to meet people, greet people, shake their hands, but under no circumstances are you involved in the hands-on task of, you know, of waging war, nor are you involved in the hands-on task of training people to wage war. Because in order to train people, you got to be able to do the job yourself. So, no, Eric Olson, the admiral, um, is sequestered in his home with his lovely family right now, 
doing what all retired people do, which is, you know, live out their, their, their well-earned retirement. Now, the other story that's been in the news lately is about the Russians trying to cross this one river. And the Ukrainians say they lost a lot of people there. And they showed pictures. It seems like the Russians lost a number of vehicles, although some of those vehicles don't seem like all tanks. They seem like troop transports and older ones. But what do you think the truth of that story is, Scott? I think I think the truth is that um, Ukraine attempted a river crossing and was repulsed with heavy loss. This is why you see older variants of ML, uh, MTLBs, which is a armored personnel carrier. You see BMP-1s, which the Russians no longer use. They're in large numbers. Um, and then after the Russians repulsed the Ukrainians, because that's a good place to cross the river, the Russians attempted a river crossing. And that was a bad mistake because the Ukrainians had that river crossing pre-registered with artillery, and they poured it in on the Russians, and they destroyed a, a number of Russian vehicles, probably with a number of Russian troops. Um, that's, that's the story of that site. Now, what appeared to happen is after the Russians got waxed, um, the, uh, the commanding officers of those units were read the riot act by their higher command, uh, asking them, why have you forgotten everything we ever taught you? Why would you conduct a river crossing at a known location where the enemy had every chance to pre-register artillery fires? Um, you know, so guess what? <laughs> Cross the river, do it right this time. And they did. And they got in behind the Ukrainians and they waxed them. I mean, that's the truth of that particular battle. Look, the Ukrainians, no one should ever doubt their tenacity, their professionalism, and their ability to slap you down if you make a mistake. And whenever Russia makes a mistake, the Ukrainians are there to uh, educate them or re-educate them. And it happens quite a bit. But tactical victories do not translate into strategic outcomes. Bottom line is the Russians are winning this. They're, they're retaking the Donbass, they're grinding the Ukrainians down, and um, you know it's it's a desperate situation for tens of thousands of Ukrainian troops, um, you know, trapped right now in trenches and fortified positions uh, in eastern Ukraine. And what do you think Ukrainians claim that Russia's troops are disobeying orders? Do you, is that pure propaganda on the Ukrainians' part, saying that Russian troops are refusing orders? And morale is very low. Every time I hear that, I, I, the, the way it's said is that we have anecdotal information. Now, I'm an intelligence officer, former intelligence officer. Um, <laughs> if you came to me and said, I have anecdotal information, I'd say, get the hell out of my room. I don't need this garbage. Uh, what I need is hard fact. Uh, I don't need rumors because that's what it is. Anecdotal means it's a rumor. We're hearing rumors of this and that. And the Ukrainians are very good at manufacturing rumors. They've been manufacturing rumors since day one. That doesn't mean that there isn't morale problems. Uh, I'm just saying that that particular piece of information does not mean that there are morale problems. You know, every military uh, that, that, that's been engaged in uh, two, two plus months of constant war has morale problems. You know, go back and read uh, Rick Atkinson's wonderful books about the U.S. Army in World War II. He won a Pulitzer Prize for this stuff. Army at Dawn. Um, you know, the, 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 it, it, then he talks about the Italian campaign and then the, the European campaign. 
throughout both campaigns, the European campaign and the, and, and, and the Italian campaign, there are stories of American troops saying, we don't want to go back in the attack. We're exhausted. Who else is saying they don't want to fight? Ukrainians. They're retreating in droves. And, you know, there's a, there, there's, as an intelligence officer, sometimes you like to listen to the propaganda coming from the other side because sometimes it tips you off as to what their real situation is, meaning that they will, they will reflect onto you what is happening to them. And we know for a fact that Ukrainian um, officers and men are refusing to fight. They're sending brigades from their territorial units into the front lines in eastern Ukraine with no equipment, no training, no preparation. And they're going there and they're getting slaughtered. Those Ukrainians are deliberately sacrificing these guys to buy time so they can receive weapons and, and better trained personnel. Because as we speak, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of Ukrainian soldiers in Germany and in Poland receiving hands-on training from NATO on how to operate NATO heavy equipment. And then these units are coming into Ukraine and uh, being held in reserve or being sent to important parts of the battlefield. This takes time to do. So to buy time for this reconstitution of the Ukrainian military, they're sacrificing literally thousands of men, throwing them in the front lines, telling them just to hold on for another day or two, then they'll send in more. Uh, just buy time so the Ukrainian army can get rebuilt. Uh, and these these troops are saying, we've had enough. I mean, they, you know, there's video after video of them, um, you know, the survivors making it back and producing a video saying, we're done. You, you are, we were abandoned by our leadership. We were refusing to fight. Um, so I think that both sides are, have been subjected to tremendous strain. Anybody who doesn't think war is one of the most stressful things a human being could experience hasn't experienced war. And, um, you know, there may be, a, 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 a situation where somebody intercepted a phone call from a Russian battalion commander saying, sir, I can't carry out that order. My men are too tired. Oh, we said that in World War II all the time. My men are too tired. Sometimes the general said, tough nuggets, go in there and die anyways, because that's what we need you to do. Sometimes they pulled them out and let them rest for a little while, then sent them back in. Um, that may be happening to some, some Russian units. But by and large, the Russian military, a very professional military, is carrying out its tasks. And the way it's fighting right now in eastern Ukraine is designed to minimize that kind of exhaustion. The only troops that are on the front line 24-7, seven days a week, you know, 30, 30 days a month, are the Ukrainians. The Russians are sending units up, fighting, and then pulling them back and resting them because they have strategic depth in the rear. They can do that. The Ukrainians can't reach out and touch them. Every time the Ukrainians tried to withdraw from the front line, they got Russian helicopters, Russian artillery, Russian aircraft blowing the dog poop out of them. So, um, no, I, 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 I don't buy into any of this nonsense coming from the Ukrainians or Western intelligence services, whose sole purpose right now is secretly to provide um, combat intelligence to the Ukrainians that can be used to uh, better their chances on the battlefield. And then publicly, as the U.S. intelligence community has already admitted, to propagate lies designed to create perceptions that aren't matched by reality. Now, Carmine Xavier, Carmine Mundy, Carmine is our guest host today. Carmine, do you have any questions for Scott Ritter on what's going on with Ukraine Not really. and Russia? Because I mean, you know, Scott will tell you the truth. Well, he pretty much said everything I was thinking, which is, you know, turn on CNN and MSNBC and even Fox, and you're going to get a story that's not accurate. And if you say, because I've said on social media, I've said on Twitter, 
you know, look, guys, Russia's winning. You know, I'm uh, to them, I'm the devil at that point. You know, just admitting what, what the reality is. Ukraine can't beat Russia. And I heard somebody say today, uh, it might have been it might have been somebody in Sweden said Ukraine can win this war. And I said, I was thinking to myself, well, you're lying. And you're gonna get thousands, maybe you know, tens of thousands more people killed because you're lying. It's a you know, it's gonna be a slaughter. It just it seems to me to be not wise, you know. Um I, you know, I guess now, Scott, do you think can Ukraine win this war? Is there any possibility that Ukraine's gonna pull this out? Scott Ritter. I will say I will say this that the um the situation that exists today is far different than the situation that existed in uh, late February, early March. Um, back then, NATO had not um, committed to supporting the Ukrainians because there was a belief that the Ukrainian military would not be able to last more than, than a couple weeks. Uh, hats off to the Ukrainian military. They, they're tenacious, and they, they put up a, a heck of a fight. What's happened now is that Russia's special military operation, it's called that for not just military reasons, but legal reasons, it has forces sufficient to the task it's been assigned to do, which is basically to capture the Donbass, create a land bridge connecting uh, the, the, the Donbass with uh, Crimea, and to expand the Crimea bridgehead so that they have uh, water security for Crimea because the Ukrainians had cut off the water. They're achieving that. There's nothing Ukraine can do to change that outcome. But a strategic strategic objective of Russia was to defeat the Ukrainian government to the extent that they would surrender and they would uh, agree to be neutral in perpetuity. That's not happening. And the Russian military capability as it exists in Ukraine is not capable of making that happen unless they get significantly reinforced. Ukraine has been given strategic depth that didn't exist at the beginning of the conflict. They are now able to train and re-equip in Germany and in Poland without fear of Russian attack. And um, this is a distinct advantage for Ukraine. So they are reconstituting units that had already been defeated on the battlefield. And if Russia was at war with Ukraine, would never be given the opportunity to be reconstituted. Um, Russia destroyed all of Ukraine's refineries, all of their major petroleum depots, which in theory means that the Ukrainian tanks can't run, but they are running because what Russia hasn't done is shut down the rail network and thousands of rail cars worth of refined petroleum product are being shipped from Poland into Ukraine to resupply the Ukrainian military. So right now there is a strategic depth, which means a resilience uh, that, that didn't exist early on that exists today. Can Ukraine win the war? No. But, you know, sometimes you win by not losing. And what I mean by that is if Russia can't get Ukraine to surrender to, and agree to terms that Russia is dictating, such as never joining NATO, um, if Russia doesn't destroy the din of um, Nazi ideology that exists in Lvov and western Ukraine, uh, and if uh, Zelensky continues on as the wartime president uh, being transformed into a European global hero, then Russia loses by not winning. And I think that's the situation we're, we're approaching right now, is that unless Russia mobilizes and, and converts its special military operation into a general war with Ukraine, Russia's not going to lose the fight militarily, but they're going to lose politically by not winning the fight 
against all of Ukraine. And that's I, I think that's that's a situation we've, we're finding ourselves in. No, I was going to ask that question. Uh, another question you had, you had actually mentioned here, which is you talked about, you know, them joining NATO or not joining NATO. Right. But I mean, isn't it really unlikely that they were ever going to be able to join NATO anyway? You're, you're absolutely right. But what, what's happened is something that's um, it, it's, it's, it's more worrisome because <laughs> even though Ukraine's not a NATO member, because Ukraine is in the business of killing Russians on behalf of NATO, which is what's happening, uh, Ukraine is more valuable to NATO right now than they've ever been. Um, Ukraine is the number one NATO asset to fulfill uh, General Lloyd Austin and Jan St- uh, Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg's uh, goal of bleeding Russia white, of defeating Russia strategically in Ukraine so they can never again threaten Europe. That's the stated objective of the United States and NATO right now. And Ukraine is the best asset NATO's ever had to accomplish that because NATO can't engage Russia. That brings on World War III. But right now, NATO has an ally in Ukraine that is in the business of killing Russians. So, you know, this is a, this is a far more dangerous situation uh, for Russia than if Ukraine had actually joined NATO. You know, once Ukraine became a member of NATO, they're trapped by Article 5, that collective defense, because, uh, you know, if they go to war against Russia, NATO is going to war, and that means a nuclear war. So nobody's going to be able to bleed Russia dry. But right now, because they're not a NATO member and they are engaged in active combat, you know, this, this is actually a plus for NATO. They're willing to fight to the last dead Ukrainian. And unfortunately, uh, Zelensky, the president, seems willing to sacrifice tens of thousands of Ukrainians in, in, in the cause of NATO, knowing he will never be allowed to join NATO, knowing that. But do you think see a possibility of Russia, I, I guess a way to put it would be getting more aggressive in the situation and escalating to a war. What do you see a possibility of Russia doing here? Scott? Only Ukraine. Yep. What? Well, I'm sorry. Scott, Scott, we missed that. What do you think Russia could do here? What if Russia, what I think what will happen is because this this is a conflict that's expanding because of uh, perceived Russian weakness in Ukraine. Finland and Sweden are talking about joining NATO. And, uh, you know, Russia has committed so much military power into Ukraine that in order to have an effective response to Finland and NATO, they're going to have to mobilize. Uh, Ukraine, Moldova and Romania are threatening the Russian enclave in Transnistria. Uh, Russia doesn't have sufficient force to protect that and continue its operation, general mobilization. So that's what I, I see Russia doing uh, probably after the NATO summit uh, at the end of June. Uh, Russia will, rec- will say because of what NATO's done in inviting these people in, this has transformed the uh, security situation in Europe and we have no choice but to affect a general mobilization, which will give Russia more than enough troops to wipe Ukraine off the face of the earth, which is, will what, which is what will happen. I mean, Zelensky needs to understand that, you know, he's enjoying momentary glory, but NATO's already said they're not willing to die for Ukraine. And when Russia comes in full-throated, um, Zelensky will die for Ukraine. Uh, and then we run the risk of a general war in Finland, uh, potential conflict with Romania, Europe has never been closer to a, to a large-scale uh, land conflict um, 
of a scope and scale that hasn't been seen since uh, the Second World War. They're they're this close. And Scott, very dangerous. Scott, how important do you think it is that the EU basically capitulated, and they're going to start buying Russian energy through the Gazprom Bank with with the ruble? You, EU was saying they weren't going to do that, but they've given in on that. How significant do you think that is? I mean, it's significant in the short term. Um, it, it showed that they weren't able to break Russia, that Russia was able to stand firm. But time is not Russia's friend. Because although the EU is buying Russian energy with rubles right now, they're doing everything in their power to wean themselves off of Russian uh, energy so that by 2024, um, you know, they... They won't have to even, you know, think about buying Russian energy with rubles because they'll they they think they will be able to found alternative sources of energy. So, you know, right now, look, the EU is uh, it's a humiliation for them because clearly they they engaged in uh, in in a in, in a course of action that they weren't they were unable to sustain. That is to sanction Russian energy. They now have to back off. Um, the, the the risk to the EU is that they may not make it to 2024. I mean, the, uh, the, there's a dual crisis right now in Europe, and it's about to hit every aspect of the European economy. Uh, Europe's going to shut down very soon. The United States may shut down. I mean, if diesel goes to $10, $12, $14, $15 a gallon, um, as it may, as it can do, um, the cost of everything in America goes through the roof. And uh, we, we start shutting down. Europe's at more risk of shutting down than we are. And so, you know, Europe has a plan. I think they're getting ready to announce it next week or maybe even later this week of how they're going to become energy independent of Russia by 2024. I don't think they're going to make it to 2024. I think there's going to be a general collapse of the European economy that's going to send Europe spiraling into chaos and anarchy. And um, they may find that uh, Russian energy is their only salvation. And they better hope. Scott, we're out of we're out of time now. Great conversation with you. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate your perspective. Scott Ritter with a sobering assessment for everybody. That's Scott Ritter. Coming back, we'll be talking next hour to Jim Hoft about U.S. politics. It's Carmine Monday. Carmine Sabi is our guest host, co-host on The Backstory. for the second hour of the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. The show is coming to you live from the Empire of Lies, an oasis of truth and free speech in the vast barren wasteland that is the Biden administration. We're joined by Carmen Sabia, our guest co-host today on a Carmine Monday on The Backstory. So great appearance by Scott Ritter, and Carmine, I would say it's a sobering assessment for everybody. I had, I, I yeah. think he was. I, yeah, I, go I, ahead. I had, I had other questions, believe it or not, because, you know, here's here's my question, Lee. Maybe you can answer it. 
Because you're talking about, you know, well, you know, U.S. Is, is using Ukraine to fight Russia. Okay, that's what he's saying. And obviously that's what's happening, right? So if you say that, okay, at what point does Russia say enough of this and Russia actually goes to war with us directly? Russia knows what's happening. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a valid question. Let, let's do the boom. I want to point out Jim Hoff is going to be here from Gateway Pundit on this segment of The Backstory. Now, you raised a good point, Carmine. Let me raise another point. This $40 billion that we're about to put into Ukraine, $40 billion. Now, do you realize how huge an amount of money that is in terms of military spending? It'll make Ukraine the single biggest recipient of military it's spending. It's unbelievable. Do you know what? I- I've been saying, you know, it's ridiculous that we want to pay off student debt in this country. You took out a loan, pay for I'd rather pay student debt. At least it's, we're paying Americans, helping Americans. Well, the other thing is we don't have Mark Frost here, but this $40 billion, do you know where the U.S. is going to get it from? Yeah, they're going to print it. And they're going to print it. So that's going to be new money into the system. And what that means is more inflation. How much more inflation do you think we can take? I mean, Carmine, inflation is already huge. And more inflation on top of that. What are you paying for a gallon for gas? It's about 420 here in South Dakota. In California, no, it's six dollars. Well, California is always, you know, uh, uh, California is always ahead of everybody else. But right now in Jersey, we're at about four sixty-two. Yeah, right. They're actually letting us do self-service now at the gas stations. I know this is weird to everybody else. Like, what are you talking about? In New Jersey, there's a law that prohibits you from from pumping your own gas, and that's been taken out. So, so I don't know. I don't know how much more inflation the U.S. can take. At a certain point, the baby formula crisis is an example, and that's someone says it's not due to the economy. Yes, it is, because the economy is large. I understand they don't have that crisis in Canada. And part of the crisis in the economy here is that WIC, the the food stamp program, they buy a lot of baby formula. And there are contracts to buy it automatically. So a lot of stuff that's being bought up by the contracts can't be in the store. But the, the Biden administration in their press conferences is saying this baby formula crisis is going on another six to eight weeks. So that's their optimistic estimate. And it's a crisis already. Half of the states have the problem. So how big a deal do you think that's going to be for the economy and, and for people's amount of not wanting to put up with this stuff anymore? Carmine? I mean... People were all on board with it in the beginning, bro. But how long? When it's hitting your pockets, how long? Right, and 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 
none of those problems are stopping. And the $40 million going to Ukraine is going to increase inflation and possibly short term. And so Scott had a point about you can sometimes win the battle but lose the war. And could the Biden administration be doing that? We'll find out. Let's go 202-521-1320. Tarif. Tarif, you're on the air. I have two comments. Um, let's read these tweets, um, different um, comments. They say Russia have no problem with Finland and Sweden. Their ascension to NATO has not posed a threat, a direct threat to them. But because, then they go on to say, because if they join NATO, I mean, NATO will start putting heavy equipment to Sweden and Finland. And once that happened, then Russia will have to respond in the future in different ways, you know, different ways to deal with that. And I brought up this morning on a Fault Lines radio show that uh, Russia still have the option with Cuba and Venezuela. You know, if you, they put troops in, in Finland, then Putin can put submarines and ships and troops in Cuba and Venezuela. And yes, that's a red line for the U.S., but guess what? Sweden and Finland is a red line for Russia, too. So, I mean, we'll see what that happened with that. And my um, my, um, my other comment is dealing with um, Papa Escobar. I wrote something that uh, when, okay, Austin called Shogu last week. General Austin called General Shogu last week. It was about two things, about the um, pending doom of the Dumbass region, that the troops is going to be sac uh, sacrificed, is going to be surrounded by the Russian forces and, and basically cut in half, destroyed. And also about when the Russians came up with the bio, came up with more evidence than with the bio labs in, uh, in Ukraine. And um, some behind the deals that Austin was trying to do, it, it, all this is just speculation. But they were trying to say Austin was trying to work something out with Shogu, but Shogu wasn't listening. But uh, as time goes on, as the more and more evidence come out with these um, biological experiments that that was doing in Ukraine, Russia's going to share us with the rest of the world. Russia don't really have to. I mean, they can they can throw it, they can put it in the face of people at the UN. But as you, we both know, that Russia show it to the rest of the world. Without going to the end, they, they can show it to the Chinese and the, and, and the, um, the Mexicans and the Brazilians and the South Africans throughout the world. And over time, people will see what's going on. You know, so we'll see what's going to go on with what's going on with that buyer uh, weapon thing. And also that that um, mass shooting over the weekend um, that was horrible to me personally. I think that's some crazy person dealing with some mind-altering drugs, maybe some MK-altering stuff was, was involved. We need to investigate that properly and open up the church committee again to find out what's going on with MK-altering. That's all I want to say. Thank you. Well, thanks for the call, Tarif. I'm being more direct than that. I'm saying some stuff, and I'm not saying follow up on, that the FBI was in touch with this young man. And we know in Michigan... For instance, Carmine, the FBI, remember there's a plot to kidnap the governor. It turned yeah. out thought, yeah. they had some instant verdicts there because the FBI was involved pushing those guys 
towards kidnapping the governor. So have you seen any reports that this is a young man may have been affected by the FBI? Because we know they're after white supremacists. And it wouldn't, apparently he had a social media following. So it was not private. He was someone the FBI could have been in touch with, is what I'm saying. But have you seen any of those reports, Carmine? I have seen some, yes. And so if ultimately the FBI, this isn't an MKUltra thing. It's more direct than that. If they're pushing to do something, but maybe maybe not this. I don't think they're pushing him to do this. But if they're pushing him, and he obviously has some mental health issues already, it'll be interesting to see the way this breaks out. And the fact that the Michigan case, the Whitmer case, they actually couldn't get some convictions against those guys because of the FBI's involvement. You heard that, Carmine, right? Yes. I mean, with the FBI pretty much... It was pretty much the FBI's plot. Right. And so if the FBI was working on pushing this kid into something, I'm not saying this, but into something, and that comes out, that'll be very interesting. Do you think that's a... Would, I, I don't think so. I don't think so, because this is just one kid. It's not a group. But man, you know, this kid was detained for threatening to shoot up his school. How was he allowed to buy a right. gun after that? See, that's what I'm saying. There's certain aspects of this that might make it, yes, they're into groups, but they're also into individuals. And I don't know. I want to see the way that comes out. I want to see what comes out. I'm not going to make assumptions until I find out what actually happened. But I see a possibility. 202-521-1320. Brave, is that who's on Command Central? Brave, go ahead, you're on. How's it going, guys? How's it going, Carmine? I, um, I, I you raised an interesting point, and I wonder, um, just, 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 just to entertain myself, right? Um, I feel like the uh, warmongers and the uh, establishment and the uh, neocons are going to um, run headlong into a conflict of interest because. Like, you made the point that the FBI was after white supremacists. I don't really think they're after white supremacists. This might be semantics, but I think it's more a case of them um, chasing down and setting up uh, would-be white supremacists in order to try and tie to, I guess, the right-wing manga, 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 manga crowd or whatever the case is to um, make Trump look bad, make the right look bad, you know, have it, whatever makes him happy. But... Um, the conflict, the conflict of interest, I think, comes in typically when these stories happen, when, you know, uh, a supposed white supremacist uh, shoots up a school or shoots up anything. The media covers it for forever. But in a case, and this is my, I'm getting to my point now uh, after rambling a bit, <laughs> in the case like this where the young man is uh, supposedly a white supremacist, has all of this Nazi propaganda, all this Nazi um, um, identification and stuff uh, involved in 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 his uh in his act right like in his um what is it called the uh manifesto and and he's got the the, the emblems sketched etched into his weapon and all of this stuff that clearly ties into the nazi um um militias that are over in ukraine right now i can't help but wonder and this is my question to you how does the mainstream cover this 
um, because we're sending weapons to Nazis right now, right? So does the mainstream cover this? Does the mainstream touch into the fact that this young, young man is a Nazi and he's showing Nazi um, uh, imagery that's also reflective in Ukraine, or do they bury the story, which goes against their natural instincts to cover a story of white supremacy so they can use it to, uh, against Trump? But Brave, here's, my, here's my, what I'm a little angry about. I'll be honest with you. I'm a lifelong Republican, bro. I mean, from high school, I'm a Republican, bro. But where the heck is the Republican leadership right now? Where, where, where's the Republican leadership to say, to express their profound sadness at the slaughter of 10 people, 10 Americans? What's, I mean, what's going on there? I don't see anything. Yeah, I didn't see Unfortunately, I can't, I can't answer that, Carmine. Mitch McConnell's in Ukraine taking pictures of Zelensky. So that's yeah. where the Republican leadership is. They're letting With, they're letting the Democrats get out ahead of this and be like, look, we're the champions. And the Republicans are like, oh, and they should be out there and blaming the Democrats. Yes. Expressing sympathy and blaming the Democrats. But literally, Mitch McConnell's with Zelensky posing for photos. Well, Lee, this is the um, remember I called back in a couple. I called in a couple of weeks ago, maybe I don't know, maybe two weeks or so now, and asked the question: Why aren't the Republicans taking this, um, uh, utilizing this opportunity to to wrap the Ukraine support the support of Nazis in Ukraine around the Democrats' neck? And again, I'm not a Republican. I'm I'm definitely not a Republican. I'm definitely not a. Uh, a, a a Democrat, I'm an independent, thinking for myself person. But, I mean, I just, you look at the hypocrisy, and the Democrats are constantly charging the right with being uh, racist and supporting Nazis and Trump-supported Nazis. It just seems to me that the, that the Republicans, other than the fact that they're, that they're uh, captured as well and they're all in for the war effort, right, to make this money, uh, it just seems to me that if they were smart, they would be using this as an opportunity to tie the, the Democratic Party to legit, Nazis, right? It didn't come out and say, hey, don't support the Democrats. Democrats support Nazis. But they, I guess they would rather um, try to pretend like they're going to overthrow Putin and make money and, and launder money through Ukraine, I guess. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, yeah. And, and no grassroots Republicans I know. Do you know anyone, Carmine, and you know a lot of people who likes Mitch McConnell? Or Kevin McCarthy. Not really. I mean, everyone I know hates him and is disgusted by them. But they managed to maintain leadership. That's a weird to me. They don't have the support of the grassroots, but they managed to maintain leadership. And I think it's because they control the cash register. Right? They control the spending. And the money goes through them. And that's the only way I think they keep control. Well, what did I say the other day? I don't know if you, if you caught it. Um, but um, I had mentioned the other day, I said, you know, it's a situation where we're given 70 billion. That's that's the total so far. 70 or 72 billion, something like that. But over 70 billion dollars to Ukraine. A nation which is pretty much the epicenter of kickbacks to American politicians, okay? And 
an epicenter of corruption in Europe. And we're giving them over $70 billion with no restrictions, no oversight as to how it's spent. This is what Rand Paul's saying. Rand Paul is a communist. He's not a patriot. No, Rand Paul's right. He's giving all this money, and we don't know where it's going. How it's being spent? Come on. Right. And and again, I the the base, the grassroots, all agree on that point, but none of the leadership agree. And that's the big I don't know, aside from controlling the purse strings, what's keeping Chicago in power. There needs to be some kind of revolt in the Republican Party for leadership. And I don't know where that would come from. Maybe Rand Paul. No, they'll keep Rand Paul out. But I also think that if, and we can talk to Jim Hoff about this when we have on from Gateway Pundit. If the media sites start pushing to replace McConnell and McCarthy, they wouldn't last too long. I don't think. If the caller and Breitbart and Daily Wire, if everybody all went in and the people want it, do you have any doubt that people want it, Carmine? No. But there's no groundswell support, is there? No, not really. And I know what they're waiting for because the, the other thing I've talked about a little on the show but the Biden administration isn't even trying. They're not even pushing lies that may fool some people. They know no one's being fooled, don't they? It doesn't seem to me like the Biden administration is even trying. They're not trying to, to put on an argument that some people will go, well, that's reasonable. No. They're just lying blatantly. Correct. And there's, there's no breaks on them. Yeah, this is not uh, this is not new, though. But I'd say the level of lying, I'll put it like this on the issue of the Biden laptop, for instance. Enough stuff is out about that. We're clearly. The Biden administration lied and clearly the president's also corrupt. Do you have any doubt about that? No, not at all. Right. And this is not conjecture or conspiracy theory or whatever you want to call it. It's blatant. But the Democrats, we know they're not going to do anything about it. And the Republican leadership isn't taking on Biden at all. At a certain point, I would say our public officials are letting us down deeply. And independents as well as people on the right. But for for the base, Republican base, is there any doubt that the Republicans are not doing their job? I've never seen it as blatant. I mean, I agree with you, man. I, I, the Republicans are, are utterly useless right now. And the Republican leadership is utterly useless right now. Utterly useless. Right. And, and, and it's to a point where... I'm beginning to wonder what's going to have to happen to change things because the people, the base, as I'm talking about, the base knows what the problem is and it's leadership. And they're seeing that they won't close on anything. They, the, the Biden administration is ready to topple over. It would take a flick. They don't need a big push. 
on the this issue of the Biden laptop. It's sitting right there. It's waiting for someone to push the Biden administration over, yet no one's stepping up. So what's going to happen to make the people step up? And that's really what I wonder, Carmine. Increasingly, will anything start to kick people into gear? Because I think also the the formula situation, the gas situation, I think when people start hitting, you know, like Scott was saying, you start hitting diesel at 15 miles you know, per gallon. Yeah. I think that when you start seeing people striking or uh, big protests like the trucker protests in America, do you think we're headed for something like that? Oh, boy. Um, it's possible, man. It's possible. Um, it's possible because, again, the, you know, how long can people go on paying these prices? How long can consumers go on paying these prices? You know, because don't forget when the price of gas, even if you don't drive, okay, when the price of gas rises, everything you purchase, the price rises, so, you know, when you're talking about the inflation, you know, I, I'm so tired of hearing it called the Putin price hike because the prices were going up way before this war. OK. Also, you know, let me ask you a question, Lee, and I thought about this the other day. You know, people are getting killed in Yemen, too. We didn't do anything. But apparently in well, the U- Ukraine, we, we, we are, are solely responsible here for having to do this. Well, Carmine, Jim Hoft is on the line. So let's take a short break. Let's take a two-minute break. And then when we come back, we'll be joined by Jim Hoft from Gateway Pundit on The Backstory. Story. 105.5 FM AM 3090. We're joined down by the great Jim Hoff from Gateway Pundit, one of the most read sites on the right. Jim, welcome to the show. Hi, Lee. Good to be with you. Great to have you, Jim. So we're on with guest host Carmen Sabia and it's Carmen Mendy. Carmen's going to leave pretty soon. So, Carmen, I'm going to throw it to you first. I stayed for you, Jim. I have a TV show to do at six o'clock. <laughs> so I was supposed to leave at five thirty. And he's like, Oh, that's when Jim's coming on. I was like, I'll stay for longer. So how are you, man? Uh doing good. Good. Good to hear, man. Obviously I uh I write for my own I write for another site, but I do visit Gateway Pundit pretty much every day. It's a great site, a lot of great information. Uh Facebook took you guys off, you know, Twitter took you guys off, but you have your own ecosystem so you don't really need them which is brilliant um because so many uh sites on the right rely on on the ads from google and facebook and twitter and and that's the whole ball of wax and if you can exist outside that ecosystem um pretty awesome to do i I have a question i do have a question for you it's a question i asked lee i'm going to ask you there's there's one place where i'm 
um, I'm, I'm concerned about what the Republicans are doing right this very second. And that's that we haven't had a statement from President Trump about the Buffalo shooting. We haven't had any of the Republican leadership really talk about it. And in doing that, we're allowing the Democrats to basically at this point say whatever they want. And they're burying Fox News. They're burying Tucker Carlson. They're burying Trump. And when there's no words coming back from the right, it the, everything they're saying starts to look true to people, even if it's false. Why do you think there's stone cold silence right now? Um, well, I haven't followed uh, which uh, Republican leaders have said something, so um, I'm not familiar with who's put out a statement and who has not. But um, I, you know, I think you're right. They obviously should be saying something. I think that would be the right thing to do. At least condolences to the people and the families who were yes. injured or killed in in this hor- horrific event that was on Saturday. Thank you. That's what I'm saying, man. I agree. Well, and let me point out that I said this before, but this is not one of those cases where we don't know. A lot of times when these mass shootings happen, we don't know the person's motivation. Or we can maybe guess it by looking at the social media. But it's not a direct statement. In this case, we have a direct statement. This person said they're on the left, right? The shooter said he's a leftist. He described himself as an authoritarian leftist. Correct. So we know that for sure. So the Republicans could, they have the wide open opportunity to point the blame where it belongs, at the left. But they're not doing it. And Jim, we're talking about the general topic of Weakness on the Republican side. You read a lot. You get a lot of comments on Gateway Pundit. Do you find what percentage of your reader base do you think likes Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy? Likes maybe percent. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right. It's it was completely. Yeah, very unpopular. The party, uh, the the leadership, uh, completely out of touch with the uh, voting base of the party. And with the existential problems people are having, high gas prices, outrageously high gas prices, over $6 a gallon in California, we're told, uh, and, and 4 bucks, 420 or so here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and the baby formula crisis, with the problems people are having, do you think something's going to give and we're going to start seeing massive worker like the truck protests in Canada, that was workers, people who work, blue-collar workers, couldn't take it anymore. Do you think we're headed for something like that, Jim Hoft? Uh, well, you know, it looks like things are going to continue to get worse. I'm just opening now the um, the AAA gas prices, and, and once again, we have a new all-time record today. This is, you know, this is the difference between a Republican and a Democrat being in office. Um, this didn't make any headlines today, right? None. We, none of us knew this until I looked at this uh, website. So we have a new all-time record. It's at four dollars, almost four fifty now for a gallon of regular gasoline. That's the average across the United States. So, Lee, um, I agree with you one hundred percent. Things. Uh, uh, this this is territory we have not been in, certainly in my lifetime. And so, uh, uh, you know, this is uh, 
we have no idea what's in store for us. Uh, we're already seeing uh, the, the left is starting to get activated again with the Roe v. Wade, the rumors of the Roe v. Wade being overturned. And uh, now with these gas prices, with the inflation up at 40-year highs, um, uh, it's going to be hard for the Democrats to keep their activists in the stable um, when so much uh, chaos are going on in people's lives. So uh, I agree with you. This could be a really uh, lot of turmoil ahead. Yeah. No. I, I, and you, just you, you, you're saying you agree. I, I'm saying that I have never seen anything like this, and the potential for a big blowout where people just can't take it anymore and start doing things like if you look at the the trucker protests in Canada, essentially truckers stopped working and shut down the city. And boy, they freaked out about it. Joe Rogan recently called Pierre, uh, Justin Trudeau a creepy dictator. He's right. And creepy dictators don't stop this sort of thing. And so I, I don't know what's going to happen. As we're heading into the summer, the Democrats, have you seen the, the Democrats have declared, the feminists have declared the summer of rage? Uh, it sounds about right. Yes, they've declared a summer of rage, and they're going to be very angry as they, well, you know what? They're not the only ones. And right. I think when people can't afford gas and can't afford baby and can't get baby formula, because they forget afford it, you can't get it. <laughs> right. 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 It's tragic. I, I laugh because we've never seen anything like this uh, in my lifetime that I can remember where the babies aren't able to find, you know, you're not able to find formula for your babies. So, yeah, it's a it's a very um, peculiar situation we're in right now. And uh, I, I think you're right. I think this is ripe for mass rioting and violence ahead if uh, things don't improve. And you have people like Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney is out there attacking the Republicans today and saying all the BS that they're saying about Tucker Carlson, blaming Buffalo on Republicans. Liz Cheney is up there, uh, one of the major Republicans in terms of press coverage. I don't think she's major in any other way. I don't think she's got a lot of support among Republicans, but still she's getting the news coverage. She immediately attacks our side. What is going on with, with, you know, that's what makes the news. And I don't see any Democrats pointing out that nobody tried to stop what the war funding. No one did what Rand Paul did. Not one single Democrat said, hey, we need some accountability for this money. Or maybe we not need to not do it. But the Democrats have completely given up their responsibility. They used to, if there used to be anything good about the Democrats, they were anti-war and pro-free speech. Now the Democrats have become anti-free speech and pro-war. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. No, I think you're right. I'm old enough to remember when they were marching in New York City, uh, you know, tens of thousands of them uh, against the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, now uh, they're the ones leading the charge, you know, in Ukraine. And uh, they act like, uh, 
you know, this is uh, the greatest war for democracy uh, that we've seen since World War II. So uh, uh, it's, 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 it's uh, quite amazing to see how they are um, just uh, led by a, a leash by the, the media and the leftist politicians. There isn't a lot of thinking going on on the uh, on the left right now on their base, uh, and they certainly are nothing like what they were just uh, 15 years ago. But Jim, what do you see from your vantage point? What are the issues that the Republican leadership is avoiding that the people care about? What is the Republican leadership not talking about that the people care about? I named a couple of issues. Well, so you see. Uh, well, uh, you know what? I think the number one issue right now, and it still is an issue, and it still uh, uh, gets people excited and fired up, and that is that uh, the election integrity. Uh, they need to look at this. There was, of course, that movie out last uh, two weeks ago now, 2,000 Mules, where they, they uh, have investigated the ballot drop boxes in several of the battleground states and found uh, – a lot of traffickers, uh, several hundred or thousand traffickers in these states, putting enough ballots in the boxes that could have flipped the election, Donald Trump. So uh, I think if the Republican Party cared about their base, uh, they would mention that once in a while. But um, Lee, uh, you know, as as just just as the Democrats, you know, are just a remnant of themselves. Uh, I think the Republicans are just completely lost. I think the leadership is closer aligned to the Democrat Party today, the warmongers of the Democrat Party, than they are of their base voters, uh, which are really the, the, the Trump uh, voters on the right. They don't seem to care about the Trump voters, and they certainly um, don't seem to appreciate them. Uh, they, they actually, uh, it, it's like they detest their own base. So uh, this is what we're dealing with today uh, as Republicans and as conservative activists and watching what's going on here. It's unbelievable. Well, you mentioned 2,000 mules. The other thing I'm seeing, the scuttlebutt among grassroots Republicans, is they realize also Fox and Newsmax, apparently Fox and Newsmax have a policy where they don't talk about 2,000 mules, the film, the National Studio film. Have you had any pressure, Jim, as a big publisher, to not talk about 2,000 mules has anyone put a call in, don't talk about this? You know, Lee, um, we're not really owned by anyone. We don't take, uh, you know, we don't have any big donors. So um, uh, that isn't uh, an issue with us. Uh, I believe from the beginning, uh, 2000 Mules was on to something. In fact, Lee, I don't know if I told you this, but uh, they were looking for footage from these different cities. And the Gateway Pundit actually was the only website, the only news outlet that was able to get footage from the Detroit uh, drop boxes. Well, that's great. Uh, so what kind of footage? You... Explain that for people who haven't seen the film and don't know about it. What are you talking about that happened at these drop boxes? What are the mules? Uh, so, the, so the mules are these people that they caught through geo-tracking through their phones, you know, because everyone today carries a phone. Uh, going from Dropbox to Dropbox to Dropbox, uh, may maybe making as much as many as 30 stops a night at several of these Dropboxes in some of the major metropolitan areas in the battleground states. These were the cities that they looked at. They didn't look at any of the other states. So we're not, we're not sure about any of the other states. But the battleground states, 
We're talking Detroit, Phoenix, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. Um, those states and those cities, uh, they, they looked at the ballot trafficking there. They call it trafficking because they're finding that these people were making multiple stops a night. Um, they were only counting someone as a ballot trafficker, someone or a mule who was making at least 20 stops and who also was stopping at the hubs, the, the, the stash houses. And what they found was that these stash houses, and this hasn't come out, and of course the media is never going to report on this, Lee, but the stash houses, of course, were uh, Democrat PACs. So they're Democrat-linked PACs. We still have to find out some more information on these, but we do know some people that are involved today in these Democrat uh, uh, PACs where they were, these ballots were coming from. One is Stacey Abrams in Georgia, and then today we, we heard um, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips, the investigators from this film, say that uh, also there's some Obama-linked PACs that are involved in this trafficking. So there's much more to this story to come out. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, a, a huge conspiracy. Lee, this is right down your alley. You know, these are the types of stories that you love to investigate. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a large conspiracy to steal the election. And they believe that they have the proof that shows that these people went to multiple drop boxes and were dropping in ballots for Joe Biden. So, uh, uh, it should be headlines in every paper, of course, but it's not going to be because we know that our media today, the national mainstream media, is just completely uh, a complete fraud. Uh, they used to, you know, when we were growing up, call Pravda a fraudulent uh, news outlet. Today, it would be the New York Times. So um, that's where we are as a country today. Well, and I've known Catherine Gilbrecht for 10 years, and she's been dealing with funny issues for as long as I've known her. She's a stalwart, and she's a serious person. So the fact that Catherine's involved means something to me. But I've noticed people on the right pissed off. They see that Fox refuses to cover it. They see that Newsmax refuses to cover it. So you're talking about the media not covering it. Are you seeing that sort of resentment and anger towards Fox and Newsmax the two big TV outlets and not covering us? I, I think there is some anger there. I think Fox lost a lot of trust after the election in 2020. Um, then moving on right away when, uh, you know, it, it only took a casual glance at the results to know that something funny went on. When one candidate wins all the bellwether counties except one, when one candidate wins all the battleground races in the country, when one candidate picks up uh, 12 million votes, right, from his from his previous election. And he uh, picks up state houses and, and senates and um, and uh, grows his base uh, and then loses the election. It just doesn't make sense uh, to a candidate who didn't even go out and campaign. So uh, and, and that's what I would say about Joe Biden. He did. He did hide. He didn't do much. And when he did go out to campaign, there'd be about eight people there. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people had suspicions. Um, and I think they were very upset with Fox News and Newsmax. And um, they're trying to play it safe. Uh, and that's unfortunate because there's a lot of truth out there that needs to be revealed. And uh, so we'll keep covering it. But um, the mainstream media is just, um, 
you know, uh, an embarrassment at this point. Uh, I don't know uh, if, if they can, I, you know, there, there's nothing coming out of the mainstream that's even uh, halfway honest at this point. It's really disgusting. Americans are fed up. Certainly conservative voters are. And yes, they are disgusted with Fox News and Newsmax. So, so, Carmen, any questions for Jim Hoffman? Any comments on 2,000 meals? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on mute. <laughs> I'm totally sorry about that. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I— Did, uh, did Fox or Newsmax do it to you, Carmine? Did they mute <laughs> your phone? No, okay. but I, I, did get a, I did get a copy of, uh, of 2,000 meals from Dinesh. And, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's thought-provoking. I think, I think the reason Fox— and them are not covering it is is fear of lawsuits at this point. If you look at what, if you look at what happened uh, to Mike Lindell and 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 Newsmax and OAN and over the uh, the Dominion stuff, I think they're they're afraid. You're right, Carmen, and um, that's exactly what the left was hoping would happen. Is Correct. People would be just afraid of the lawfare suits, and. Uh, so uh, the left wins again by silencing uh, the two biggest uh, channels and outlets on the right. So, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it makes it much harder for the rest of us who are looking for the truth. And um, I just, you know, it, it, it's, it's giving in to these really a, a Marxist movement in the country that's just destroying the country. We see it with the results we have with the inflation and gas prices, everything else. So, um yeah, it's tragic that we don't have a stronger leaders on the right. It is. It is unfortunate. And, you know, everybody's afraid to, to say um, what they have seen and, and what they know. Look, you said it, Jim. Guy gets, you know, a half a dozen, a dozen people to a rally and gets the most votes, even more votes than Obama. He was more popular than Obama. Uh, I mean, even, even with the Democrats, he was more popular. Joe by the senile old man was more popular. Kamala Harris isn't even liked by African-Americans and they got the most votes of anyone in history. And then immediately the left and the media come out with how many times, Jim, and I'm sure you watch the same networks I watch because we, we have to watch other networks, you know, CNN, all of them to get the news. Right. And the big lie, 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 the big lie. I think they're getting one hundred dollars every time they say it. And it's so stupid. It's and they sound stupid saying it. And I keep saying, well, well, what happened to the big lie of Trump Russia collusion? How come nobody's calling that the big lie? That was a huge lie. And nobody, nobody's accounts got taken down. No stories on that got suppressed. Nobody got suspended. Nobody's even had to apologize for perpetrating this lie. And yet, with this, we can't even have a question. What is happening in America? Well, you you can't even have a question. I'm not saying that the election was stolen. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, hey, look, it seems like it's worth an investigation. Why can't we even investigate it? Why is it uh, verboten to investigate this? Doesn't make any sense. So uh, with that said, Jim, I do have to go do a, a TV spot now. But, man, yeah, always love talking to you, Jim. I'm a big fan, and uh, just keep doing the good work you're doing, man. All right. Thanks, Carmen. Take care, brother. Carmen Savior, thank, thanks for your guest hosting. Great job, and we'll talk to you next week, brother. Take care. Take care. God bless. Now, now Jim, another story, and you were good enough to post this last week, the thing I had found with the video footage of Joe Biden, that it 
you you had a great headline on it. You said there's proof and showing Joe Biden at the telephone at the location where Tony Bolinsky said there was a meeting within 24 hours of the meeting. Why is is just bluntly, Jim? Do you have any doubt that there's something to the Bolinsky accusations? Do you have any doubt that Joe Biden was at a meeting with his son and the Chinese energy officials? Is that pretty clear to you? Uh, it looks like, uh, Lee, that was an excellent article. Then that you gave us, of course, all the information for that and all you know accolades to you. But um, that was uh, that's definitive proof. I mean, he's there. He's in the hotel. He's speaking the next day at the Milken Institute. Um, he's uh, allegedly uh, met with with Hunter and this Tony Bobolinsky. And uh, you know what's interesting, Lee, and you know we see this over and over and over and over again, and that is that uh, the media then won't touch this. You know, the story just dies. It just doesn't get any footage. Uh, it doesn't get you know any play by the media. They just ignore it because it's so obvious that this is what happened. And so this is one of those stories. Tony Bobolinsky was completely um, uh, believable. Um, he had the receipts. He had the emails that said 10% to the big guy. You know, so this guy was, uh, uh, it seemed like he had all the goods, but the media did not report it, the mainstream media that lies to the American public every day. And so most people have never heard of this. So I'm so glad you brought that back up and you dug, dug that up. And you found that, yes, Joe Biden was actually in the same hotel the following day where he was giving a speech um, that he, that he uh, had the meeting with Hunter and, and Tony Bobulinski the night before. So uh, excellent article, Lee. Well, and, and uh, God bless you for publishing it, Jim. And I knew I knew that you would publish it and uh, give it the audience it deserves. But the frustrating thing is it's so obvious. This is more solid proof than they had against Donald Trump ever on anything. Would you agree with that? They never had anything with this much proof about Donald Trump. With, with the Russia stuff, they never had a single item, nothing. All they had was a, a outrageous story about him with hookers in a bed who were uh, urinating on the bed um, for Donald Trump, because Trump didn't like Obama and Obama slept in that room. It was nonsense. They pushed nonsense on the American public. They expected us to all believe that. I'll tell you what, when I read that uh, dossier the first time when it was released that night by uh, uh, it was uh, BuzzFeed, I read the dossier, read that part about Trump and the hookers. And I thought this is complete garbage. We were absolutely right. They never had anything on Trump, nothing. They never could find anything. They made up all the banking uh, connections, the Alpha Bank. They made up uh, the, the we, as we reported at Gateway Pundit, some of these uh, companies that they ended up suing were not even in existence. When they said they were, they were doing this, these nefarious acts, they weren't even around. So the, the FBI played the American people the DOJ played the American people. And this was Trump's DOJ. It shows you that these people are just completely out of control. 
They're the ones who believe that they're elected and that they're going to call the shots. And it's really disgusting because that's what we have today in this country. So what kind of a democracy are we today um, when this kind of stuff is going on? It's, it, you know, but uh, th- th- that's where we are. And it's, uh, it's just it's so disheartening and just really a sad situation uh, for America is at this point. But again, you've you've suffered for it because you're taking off Twitter. Do you have you has Elon Musk has anyone from his organization reached out to you at all? He says famously that if he takes over, he would put Trump back on. And I think that's good. But I'd rather see Gateway Pundit back on Twitter. Has anyone from the Elon Musk group reached out to say, yes, we'll put Gateway back on? You know, um, I, I haven't uh, heard from Elon Musk. It would be great. Uh, and, uh, you know, it really is. Uh, it's a brilliant tactic from the left, Lee, as you know, because they not only did they kick us off, but then what they did was anybody who would put a link up to our website on Twitter would get, uh, you know, suspended, would get a uh, timeout. And so then, of course, people don't put our links up, you know. Uh, so it's uh they don't want uh, any opinions that are not part, you know, approved by the regime. And that's exactly what this is. Uh, they're not smart people. They're not uh, honest people. They're not good people, but they are, they are power hungry. And they've, they've uh, been able to uh, take control of the speech in America today. Something we never thought we would see happen, but that's where we are today. So yes, I would like to get back on Twitter. Certainly isn't fair, but I, I understand they fear us. Because we broke uh, a lot of stories. If you look at a lot of the major stories that go viral, they go back directly to the Gateway Pundit. Yes, and, and you 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 mentioned this earlier, but do you think part of your strength is that you're independent? Is that you don't have a single big funder who's paying your bills? That you you do it the old-fashioned way. Do you think it's your strength, Jim? I, I think it is now the longer I'm in this game, right? Um, it would be nice uh, to, uh, you know, to have those big funding uh, funders so we could have special projects and we could do different things. And, um, but, but we, uh, you know, we do it the old fashioned way and thank God our traffic uh, continues to grow year after year Lee, which has been very helpful for us. So uh, we, we hope that that continues so that, um, that way they can't stop us as long as our audience continues to grow. No, that's right. And I I, th- I think you would be restored on Twitter when Musk takes over. I do suspect that. But you are really one of the big sites. And the reason it's outrageous is you're a news site. You publish stories. You publish a variety of stories. You're not just a person with an opinion. And a lot of these people who've been banned are just one person with their opinion, but you publish, you're a publisher. And that's why I think it's outrageous that you were banned from Twitter. And we, was that ever explained to you why you were banned from Twitter, Jim? No, no. Uh, I know that the day that we were uh, banned, uh, we had put up a exclusive video from inside the TCF center where a van actually drove in at three 30 in the morning full of 61 boxes of uh, ballots, dropped them off on election night. 
um, after Trump was ahead, of course, by 300,000 votes. And uh, by the next morning, Trump is all of a sudden behind. So we, we put out the footage of that. The local media said, oh, no, this never happened. Well, we asked for the footage. It took us several months. It cost us a lot of money. But we did get the footage. We did prove that this did happen, just as uh, these witnesses said. And uh, so we put up that video and we said we have more video to come. And that morning we were um, removed from Twitter. And Jim, tell people where they can find the site again, because we're almost out of time. Thanks, Lee. It's thegatewaypundit.com. And you can find us on Telegram and Getter and uh, the limited uh, audience on Facebook. We are on Instagram and several of the other social media sites. Yes. And and your your readership is growing. You find uh, we've grown year over year, Lee. So that's that's been a real blessing. Yep, we had uh, nine hundred million uh, page views last year. So we continue to grow despite everything they throw at us. Well, congratulations on your success, Jim, and great appearance, Jim Hoff from the Gateway Pundit, thegatewaypundit.com. Check out his site. It's one of the major sites to bring you independent news with a right-leaning perspective just so he's up front. And he, he, he's, a, he's not ashamed of it. Also, Carmine Sabia, thanks for guest hosting. Carmine Sabia on a Carmine Monday. And Scott Ritter, bringing you a straight skinny on Russia and Ukraine. We'll be back with the backstory tomorrow. 